Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days Just representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives And today is a very special day in the podcast It's actually the first episode of a new collaboration That we are doing it's called For the Love of the Run, and I'm here with my co-host, not my guest, my co-host and collaborator, Carolyn. Sue, Carolyn, thank you so much for doing this. Ah, yay! <laughs> I'm so excited that we are doing this, actually, and I'm nervous, but also excited, <laughs> as we just briefly chatted about before we started recording, but I think it's good, right? Nerves. Nerves can be channeled into a good thing. <laughs> Absolutely. As I told you, like every time I do a podcast, like 15 minutes before, I get super nervous and anxious. I've done over 500 of these. And it's, it, the same thing happens every time. 15 minutes before we start recording, my mind immediately goes into, how can I get out of this? Is there a <laughs> way that I can postpone this? Not cancel it. Just postpone it somehow to a different day, a different time. Um, but Nevertheless, once we start, it's like a race. That's why I say all the time. It's like a race. You're nervous at the start line. Once the race, once the gun goes off, the race starts, easy breezy. Well, I shouldn't say that. As we'll <laughs> talk about in a second, it's not always easy breezy. <laughs> Little hat tip to mm. the future Matt Marathon recap coming up, but it always is a good time uh, for the most part. So thank you for joining us. So this is, let's just give a little background. Carolyn and I talk quite a bit. We've done that for years now. Yeah. And I felt like, hey, um, let's, why don't just record some of these conversations? They're always pretty good. I, I thoroughly <laughs> look forward to them every time. And what we're going to do here in the pod is this is going to be a monthly collaboration for the love of the run. And we're going to touch on a lot of different stuff, right? Carolyn and I, um, in some ways, have very similar lives. We have kids roughly the same age. We live in a similar part of the country. We both work in running media to some degree, um, maybe different forms, but in a similar way. We both have similar running goals. We also have similar running injury histories. And we also, in other ways, have very different lives. So it is a nice kind of like push and pull and a nice confluence of things. So this is going to be a lot of fun, I guess, is the moral of the story. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right. So what we're going to do, and this is going to be kind of a template for future podcasts. We're not always going to have this longer intro. This will be the first one. So it'll be the only time we do it. But we're going to touch on our running, what's going on with us, what's going on with either our running or whatever, if we're going through an injury or just kind of like our lives in general, we're going to do that. We're going to touch on that in a second. And then we're also going to do a diverse we run shout out. So if you don't know, Carolyn is the founder and the, the person leading diverse we run, which is an Instagram account that is um, just in become incredibly popular and really springboarded um, so many people into the kind of notoriety that they should be receiving in the first place. And Carolyn's received a lot of accolades for that, as she well deserves. And it's really been fun to watch um, right from the ground up and see how it's taken off. And then the last part of every episode is going to be a little, little family corner. We'll talk about what we're going to name this in a second. I try to come up with a name and it's awful, but maybe we'll go with it. We'll see. We'll talk <laughs> about that part a little bit later. But, Carolyn, before we get into your marathon preview, which is going to be exciting because it's so fun to see, we do have to do the Matt Chittam marathon recap because we're going to do a little chronological order. So mine came first. Yours is going to come second. So I guess we're going to go in that order. You sent me a very sweet note the other day, as did many people, because it, di it didn't go great. 
Yeah, Matt. I just, ah, I was thinking about you this whole week. I mean, I, you know, I've watched you now go through how many injuries in the recent years, you know, and it's been like up and down. And then now this training cycle, it seemed like you were, I mean, you were making a lot of big strides and yeah, like you've had a really stellar, really solid training cycle. And, but at the same time, I also know you are someone who likes to do a whole lot of other things, (laughs) take on a lot of other things outside of just your training and running too. And I was watching, you know, all of your updates while you were even just like getting into Eugene and, um, you know, stay, where, did you stay with, um, with Pete Bromka? Oh my God. Am yeah, I saying his you name? Know, well? You nailed it. You nailed it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Peter Bromka. Yeah. You picked me up yeah. at the airport in yeah. Seattle. I mean, Seattle in Portland. So, yeah. So, I mean, do you want to, how do you want to do this? Do you want to just kind of like do a general recap of what happened and then we can go step by step? I won't, no, I don't, want to be, I don't want to belabor the point <laughs> because I don't want the amount of time that I'm talking about the Eugene Marathon to surpass the amount of time I ran the Eugene Marathon, which we would get in danger of doing very quickly uh, if we went down that road. Uh, okay, literally so what happened? And figuratively. Dude, I have no idea. Oh. Basically, the moral of the story is I have no idea. So you're right. The training went well. So went through. I ran CIM. I had an abbreviated marathon cycle in the fall, but I was going there anyway to do live shows and be part of that that event, which I'd done in the past. I loved going there. It's like, hey, if I'm going to go, I might as well run the race anyway. <laughs> Even if I'm not ready, who cares? I'm already there. What's the point of not doing it, right? Eugene Marathon was a little different. So pre- preparing for CIM and running CIM helped me springboard into the Eugene Marathon cycle, which, and I've talked about it on this pod before, like, Things have been going pretty well. Again, no marathon cycle is like going to be perfect, but ultimately I got the long runs in that I wanted to get. And that was the biggest thing for me, not just from a strength standpoint, but also just just aerobic development. So ultimately I was really excited. So I kind of went into the race uh, thinking, you know, 325 was a legitimate, not even goal, but just kind of like, I think that's the standard I was at. And, you know, running in the 750s is was. was was fine. I did plenty of long runs at like 810 pace. We're talking like 16 to 20 miles. Um, you know, at around that pace for a lot of the time. So 755 pace felt totally fine and conservative. So that was the plan. Went into the race with actually two people I was gonna run close with. So one of them was Kim Ermaza, who was on the show before, down in Miami. She's great. She was she was targeting that time as well. And there's someone who I met at um, in Eugene, Amy Gagnon, who was at a couple of the live shows. She's great. Um, she has a couple of kids. One runs like college track at Pitt. The other one is like going down that same road who's running at like Penn Relays the same weekend she was running Eugene. Oh, wow. So we kind of like came together like, all right, like this is going to be the time. So that was the plan. I felt very confident. Just really good about it. And uh, everything went well. Race morning. Perfect. Right. Exact Everything that you need to have happen race morning. The the from the breakfast to the TMI, it all went <laughs> to the fine. bathroom and everything. Yeah, okay. Right. And um, the weather was great. It was forty two degrees and cloudy. Exactly what you want. Not even that windy. Right. It was it was perfect. It was really like just every part of the checklist was going through. Started the race and I was like, oh, that's weird. I don't feeling a little like weird. Like not. This feels a little harder than I expect. I'm like, well, this is kind of an uphill start. What are you gonna do? Right. And then like 
per per like normal. Have you ever been, have you run in a pace group at a marathon? Um, kind of not like intentionally. Okay. You know, well, <laughs> oftentimes they start out too hard, and that's exactly. Uh, so we're like we're thinking mm-hmm. like 325s. We're kind of like behind the 325 pace group, but not really in it. We're just kind of like behind it. All the, I swear to God, it was like 15 steps in the marathon. The 330 pace group like drowns us <laughs> just comes around like <laughs> i was laughing so i'm like we ran like 740 a uh, 759 pace or whatever the first mile and this was a lot of it was uphill wow slight uphill but still it's like a little pill so i'm like all right maybe it's just the uphill second mile i'm like my legs are just hollow oh like mm-hmm. have you ever had that where like you're you do a, a workout Right. So you warm up your workout and you start your workout. Maybe like you're really stressed that week or things just haven't been quite right. Or maybe there's there's no reason at all. And you start a workout and you're just like, it's not happening today. Like, I don't know what's going on, but this is not going on. Yeah. I mean, I've had workouts where my legs just feel so heavy or like my body just doesn't feel like it's coordinating with me, with my mind. Or really, it's just I just have a hard time focusing and getting everything to like sync up. But yeah, it was kind of like that. And like that's happened to me before, but like usually with the workout, it's like, all right, if it's really like really not working, you just push it a day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, like you push it a day and like everything works out almost always, you know? So it was kind of that feeling. It was a feeling that a lot of us have had, but I've never had it on race day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So end of mile two, still on pace, but I'm like, this is hard. It's getting hard. Already mile two. I know. Mile two. Carolyn, I took a walk break at mile two. I was like, gosh, not because like I needed to walk. It was like, all right, my body needs to reset something. I need to jumpstart this thing, right? Like I just need to, I'm going to take a two minute reset, Mm -hmm. regroup, and then I'm going to be fine. I've done that in long runs before. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, not all the time, but occasionally you're like, my body's just not quite right right now. So I do the two minute walk. I'm I'm still feeling confident. Like I know training is fine. I do that. Start up again. Get going, get back to pace pretty quickly. And um half mile in, I'm like, it's not gonna be, it's not there today, man. Like oh, I, man. The, the the pace plan was like out the window already. I'm like, it's just this just feels too hard this early. And then getting to like getting through mile three, then to mile four, I'm like, I start I was fading. I was fading. So I'm like, also I'm at like nine. 10 pace i'm at 9 25 pace and like i wasn't like clock watching but like you can tell yeah right and that's yeah. still like within my easy range so i was like i know what kind of pace i'm running here and slowing down was not like helping like the hollowness that i was experiencing my legs and like so i hit mile four pretty close to mile four and i just had a decision to make it's like all right am i just gonna like am i gonna be out here for five or six hours doing this like walk running not really enjoying this at all or am i just gonna stop the watch turn around and walk back to the starting line. Cause like, I don't want to make this decision at mile 10. Yeah. Like I'm who knows where I'm going to be standing at that point, you know? So I, I, it was embarrassing. It was unbelievably embarrassing, but at the same time, it was like the right move. I know it was the right move. I was just like, all right, I'm turning it off. Like I'm going, I'm, I'm walking back. And it was like, I'm not even at mile four of a marathon and I'm turning around. And it was, uh, I had a whole lot of feelings. Yeah. A whole lot. But it was uh, just it was just one of those days, like no injuries. It's inexplicable. I, I'm, I'm days later. I'm like, all right, like, was I sick? 
Did I have like something just like a sickness in me that like maybe was percolating, but hadn't kind of manifested itself into symptoms in my body, which is kind of in the early stages? That seemed like the obvious thing. Like maybe that's what was going on. Well, it's Wednesday and I still don't have any symptoms. So I don't think anything is happening. Um, So that's like the worst race recap of all time. But that's kind of what happened. No, I mean, it's real life, honestly, Matt. And Gosh, you know, so much of our running experience is about like kind of reconciling our expectations with reality and learning to work through that and not beat ourselves up necessarily, but also allowing ourselves to feel all the feelings. And I'm sure you're going to continue to process everything um, weeks and months <laughs> after this. And I know that there is. I know that there are good things to be gained from this, you know, and I know I hate, there, I hate saying there, all this like How many lessons can you really stuff. derive from the four mile marathon? <laughs> oh, have you, I mean, did you also take a COVID test just to see? I haven't. No, I haven't. I oh. haven't taken those. My, my son had some, um, has had some like some cough, coughiness this week. Mm-hmm. So we, I came back to that. He was coughing. I was like, mm. oh, well, this might be a thing. <laughs> like maybe that's it. <laughs> this might be a thing. Um, maybe it's like, allergies. It's, I it's don't know. It's definitely allergies. It's definitely allergies. I've given him two COVID tests <laughs> and he like had no other symptoms. Like, yeah. you know, like, and as you, you know, we'll talk about the family stuff later, but you have a kid, like you have kids. So, you know, like usually the first thing that tees you up for like this kid's sick is not even the symptoms. It's like the energy level and their emotions. And the grouchiness. Like, <laughs> like I can't be around this person right now yeah. kind of feel like like this kid better be sick or else he's just <laughs> oh, no. choosing to be a little you know what. Um, and like none of that's going on. He's like mm-hmm. has no symptoms. I mean, yes, he, he has like he has the coughing, which kind of leads to like a scratchiness. Mm-hmm. But. And like no headache, no aches, his energy levels through the roof, his enthusiasm is fine. His emotions are completely like his emotions that they always are, right? <laughs> so like there was there was no other like um uh anything else like teeing you up for like, oh, this is something that's going on. And then you drop in the two like, you know, COVID tests, you're like, all right, like so yeah, it's just allergies with him and it gave him use next last night and like this morning, like he slept awesome last night and like was like you know, you know, blowing his nose, everything's flying out this morning. So he's like on the way back. So um, I didn't take a COVID test, but like also like if I didn't have, if I hadn't had that running experience, like I would have never guessed that something was up. Also, my energy level all weekend was fine. Like I was running around doing live shows and and bumping around and seeing people and having fun and um and that was no problem. Like even the night before the race, like we're out to dinner with Peter Bromka. And Jared Kaysen and Natalie Mitchell and Jared Mitchell. And we're like, we're having a blast. It was like, this was great. No one wanted it to end. Like, it was, everything was great. Yeah. And what are you going to do? It's just one of those inexplicable, inexplicable races. And like, that's the thing. It's like, I don't even know what to take from it. It's like, how do you learn from something where you're not even sure what happened? Yeah. I don't know. It's just something that crossed my mind because, um, do you remember, well, one of your guests, Margie Johnson? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, you deep know, cut. That was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that was one of um, the things that when she fir- when she experienced her first round of COVID, because she got COVID multiple times, I mean, being like a first um, responder. But, um, but yeah, remember she was saying how she was just 
even though she was executing her workouts, her heart rate levels were consistently high or there was just like something weird that felt inexplicable as well. And then she took a test and then realized that she had asymptomatic COVID. Anyway, but that's just kind of where my mind usually goes. I'm like taking COVID tests like left and right at any first sign of like sore throat or whatever, just to like cross that off my list. But, you know, regardless, though, of whatever was the reason for Sunday's, um, you know, I don't know, performance, (laughs) like I feel like there are still things you can be proud of yourself for such as recognizing, you know, having that conversation with yourself and recognizing, like, do you actually want to slog this thing out, you know, 10 miles, 26 miles, you know, for the sake of what, like pride. And but then choosing to kind of just like acknowledge where your body, where your body was at that time. And then just say like, okay, I would rather finish this injury free, like, finish it, like call it injury <laughs> and end this, I should say, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> injury free and go home, kind of like feel bad about everything, of course, and then move forward, right? Like move on. And um, I, I mean, I, I think you've had this like excellent, excellent training cycle build up, even like to CIM and continue to do so. And you yourself, you know, with all of your updates on your training and this like aerobic base that you've been building and like we've seen all of your Strava stats too. And like you physically are very fit and you've like, is it unreasonable to say you are like the fittest that you had ever been in this like recent decade? I don't know. I think that's fair. I think like I'm probably not, I'm not the fastest I've been. I think because that hasn't really been the point of the buildup. It's definitely been like, let's focus on aerobic development and focus on like getting your body, you know, toughening up for like the longer miles. Right. So I'm not like, like I did, you know, like if I went to like run a five, say I did like a 5K this weekend instead of running the marathon. Like I definitely wouldn't have set like a 5K PR, even like a 5K PR for like the last six years. But I definitely like was in a good spot. I think it's kind of teeing me up for. I'm using that phrase a little bit too much in this episode already, but it's um I think it's setting setting stuff up for like a unique situation for me, which is I definitely run marathons not prepared, and I'm about and I basically had like the reverse happen where now all of a sudden I prepared for a marathon and didn't run it. So what is that going to mean for the future, right? And I think I've had other people on the show, um, who especially like post COVID, who talked about how they basically stacked marathon cycles on top of each other without the race, meaning like they didn't then recover from the race, right? Have that down period and then build back up, which obviously can also help fitness. But like they just, they did the building, took a week off and then just started building again. And um, I had never gone through that. <laughs> if anything, I've done the exact opposite several times. <laughs> so I think it, it does create maybe a, a new dynamic that I've never done in terms of like the build without the recover period and without the race. So I think that could, that could be interesting and see exactly what that means um, for the future and, and, and what I do moving forward. Um, just because again, that's, that's a whole new, whole new ball game for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of imagining you right now as like the little ball in the pinball machine, you know, and then like, we're like pulling back that, 
that lever. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> the thing yeah, that that's like right. getting you ready to like shoot you off <laughs> into the whatever, the end of the world. <laughs> and that you're just like building up all of this potential energy right now to like launch forward, you know? I like that. I like that. Whoever's doing the flippers better like be activated. Because I feel like last time <laughs> that happened, I just went straight right down in the middle into the gutter. <laughs> but I, uh, I do like the imagery of that. All right. I don't want to I don't want to stay on this topic for too long because first of all, it's just not a, that exciting of a topic. However, you have a marathon coming up and you, Carolyn Sue, like me, have had some abbreviated training cycles in the past. And yet here you are coming back from injury. So how does that feel to like be on the cusp of that? Well, wait, um, I'm not ready to move on yet. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, really, because this is something that I have. I mean, it kind of ties in, but this is something that I have been learning and practicing for myself, that even during disappointing races and workouts to still identify something that like I'm proud of myself for. And so I wanted to ask you, Matt, you know, maybe one, if not two things, maybe that you're proud of yourself about, whether it's on race day or just in this most recent training cycle, like what can you be proud of yourself for? I guess the, the first thing is, is that I completed it. Like I'm the king of like um, either procrastinating or like starting something and not finishing it, not necessarily with this podcast. So people may not know that part about me because with the podcast, I've actually been pretty good about that stuff. But just like in my life, generally speaking, that sort of thing happens all the time. So I think that I actually went through it all the way and it worked out. Um, I think that's a, that's a, a positive, a small, a small positive, but a positive. Um, I would say that on the whole, I made sure I did like a lot of like the, and this is such a small thing, but I think it is important. Actually, I know it's important is that I did a lot of my pre-run stuff this cycle, right? And I talk about it like with my runners a lot. And like, I, it's like one of the things oftentimes it's like, do what I say, not what I do type situations. Cause I haven't always embraced it at least consistently. I'll just do it here and there. Um, and I think for the most part, I was like pretty consistent about like a lot of my pre-run activity stuff and it doesn't necessarily like make my runs like, wow, like I'm flying today because I did my pre-run activation. It's much more like being proactive about the injury stuff and making sure that like, hey, you know, the, the injuries that we can avoid, let's avoid them. And I think I haven't always been great about that. I think this cycle I have been good about it. And then anytime there was like a little bit of a twinge, I was like, all right, I'm on it. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like wish it away. I'm like, I'm going to make sure that I am again, really on top of that stuff. And it's, it doesn't take that long. You know what I mean? I think ultimately, you know, for, for me and for a lot of people, it's so easy to just skip past it because you don't see the immediate negative of not doing it. And, um, that's how I've always rationalized it in the past. And I think when I had like my knee bursitis issue last year around this time, that was like the obvious point like it got misdiagnosed and all of a sudden I didn't run for three months and it was like I saw another doctor and he diagnosed it correctly and like I was running a day later he's like just do these exercises you'll be fine like this is like a complete non-issue you just didn't understand what was happening and he was right and shout out to Dwayne Scotty like he figured it out like in five seconds and 
here I was like like the, a day later I was running again, not very well. I hadn't run in three months, but I was running again, and like it set me on the path to where I am today. Like that was like that was the paradigm shifting moment, at least a mini one. Uh, and I think I was able to learn those lessons and stick with them at least enough to not get injured this cycle. I think I can do better, but I think I, I hit the minimum standard with that stuff to to you know to stay healthy during this cycle. And um, even now, like you know. I did. I didn't drop out of this race because of injury, right? This I mean this wasn't a, uh, this race wasn't a high point of my athletic life. Life, but it was definitely not an injury thing, and I can take a lot of positives from that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what I'm hearing is you were consistent, right? And you followed through with what you set out to do, which is complete your training, and you were proactive at being a wiser runner in taking care of yourself. And you've reaped that result, right? Reap that work, I guess, of like not being injured, which is huge. Which is like the funniest part, right? That's like the fun. <laughs> this is why like the race result was hysterical. Like, like, un, like, like, un, like objectively funny. It was like, I was healthy and consistent. Like I run a marathon, like on very little, like I was like the classic first marathon story of like, like went into it, did not know what I was doing, like did not stick to the training, like <laughs> procrastinated everything. And I did a marathon and I completed it. Like, was it an awful experience <laughs> that I hated? 100%. But I still completed it. It was like the funniest part is that like the marathon that like I didn't complete was the one that I prepared for the best, which is objectively <laughs> hilarious. But, you know, what are you going to do? Nonetheless, yeah. Well, I'm proud of you, Matt for everything. And I hope you feel proud of yourself as well, at least for these, you know, these things that you just shared. And like, those are the things to hold on to and dwell upon as we move forward. Well, you're such a good friend. You're not laughing <laughs> at me right now, but I know I, hopefully it's down there a little bit. you like, this, this is kind of a little, a little funny that this kind of happened. Anyway. Um, but let's, let's, this is kind of a bummer. Let's, let's not okay. stay there okay. for too long. All Carolyn, right. let's talk <laughs> about some positive stuff because you have a lot of positive stuff going on and not even like, let's try to dig deep for some silver lining positivity. So genuine on the surface for everybody to see glowing bright positivity about your running experience because not too long ago, you were like just hitting the bike all the time and wondering like, hey, is this going to happen? Yeah. Well, I know it's kind of surreal to think that I'm, gonna be running a marathon again. <laughs> um, the last one I ran was CIM in 2018. I think that's the one where I saw we met, right? At right. the- Yeah, we had, we had to go to California to- No, actually yeah. we- <laughs> No, we met before that. We met at Boston in 2018. Yeah. yeah, so you came to the live show. You're like, my husband is circling the block. I cannot stay <laughs> here for more than three minutes, but I want to just come in and say hi. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that was the last- marathon that I ran. And it was honestly, like, uh, objectively speaking, looking at my paces, I ran a solid race. But, you know, I was that was the marathon that devastated me the most. Um, because again, going back to when our when the when reality doesn't meet um, our expectations <laughs> of how we expect a race to go. Um, that one just like I, everybody talked about CIM being like flat and fast and like BQ qualifier and everything and um, or like Boston qualifier and um, 
I went into that race just totally unprepared for the rolling hills and like how hilly it actually was. <laughs> and so as my legs got more and more tired um, halfway through. And then like, I kept thinking like, I think this is supposed to end. Uh, uh, like the hills are supposed to end now, you know, at this point. And then they did it. Um, instead of kind of recognizing that like, okay, there were external factors that contributed to this expect, these set of, um, these sets of expectations. I totally internalized everything. And blamed myself, you know, and I was saying all these things to myself, uh, uh, like, you know, the only reason why you feel like it's hard is because you're not a strong enough runner, you know, like you didn't train well enough or like, you know, you're not, your body is not meant to run fast in marathons, you know, like you're never going to qualify and like all of this really, critical um, self-talk. And like, it just got worse and worse as the miles progressed. And I finished that race crying. And I have never cried. I've just never cried at a marathon like that before. Yes, there have been times in the past where I'm like, I just need this to end. Like, I'm just going to die right here and like lay down by the side of the curb. They're going <laughs> to find me, you know, the next day. And then like the news reports are going to say like, you know, Asian girl dies <laughs> trying to run marathon. Like I've had those thoughts, but I have never like finished a race just feeling utterly, I don't know, just like devastated and disappointed. Um, and so. I like left that race experience with a lot to think over. <laughs> and, um, but so since then, like I, you know, I have already been seeing a mental health, uh, therapist counselor. And on top of that, you know, I, um, had been, I started working with, um, Sarah Canny, you know, um, of Rise Run Retreat. She used to also have a blog, Run Far Girl, mutual friend, I think, right? Yeah. Um, and so like, we've been working a lot on, um, reframing and focusing more on, um, my efforts, uh, instead of focusing on numbers and pace and performance. Cause that's just kind of where I get really just caught up in and in my head. And then my own anxiety and, you know, critical thinking definitely then like manifest themselves into how I actually run. And, um, and a lot of times, again, like I just kind of self-sabotage because looking back at like, uh, looking back at my paces for that race, like they were solid and consistent, <laughs> even in spite of all the hills, but it just didn't feel that way in my mind. And so ever since then, I've really been working on like reminding myself, like writing down, I even like, I kept a journal, like my 2019 New Year's resolutions, you know, that year following was to write down after every workout, write down something that I was proud of myself about. Even if it was just like, I showed up you know, for it when I didn't feel like going to run today, you know? And, um, and so I think that that has really helped. I mean, not to say it's effortless now, but I've just been reflecting on a lot of that as as the as this upcoming marathon um approaches. So I'm running the Sugarloaf Marathon on May 15th in Maine and uh I don't know. Uh I do feel a lot of nerves still. <laughs> All right, let's talk about it because people who don't who who are not from New England 
maybe some people here in New England may not know that Sugarloaf is the name of a mountain. Yes, it's a ski. So, so <laughs> a you ski mentioned, mountain. yeah, maybe it's not, you shouldn't say it's, mountain, it's the name of a ski resort. Yeah, but or maybe it's the name of the mountain too. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I've never been it there. Is. Okay, but you know, you just mentioned CIM Rolling Hills, and <laughs> they're certainly there, but it is not a mountain race, Lord knows. So, what is the potential? you know, elevation gain, topographical challenge that this marathon could provide. And we say, you have done the Trans Rockies run. You are not, you know, it's not like you haven't done stuff that could prepare you for this, but what what, what does the race actually look like? That is a good question, Matt, because <laughs> I don't know the actual numbers <laughs> of elevation gain or anything. Um, like I said, like I get really kind of, numbers will cause me to stumble a lot. And so- this training cycle, I'm intentionally like I've talked with Sarah, I've talked with my coach um, to get an idea of like of generally w- what the topographical you know situation is, um, and so I know that first uh, six to nine miles is going to be like uphill overall, net uphill climbing, and then after that, generally kind of flat, (laughs) a little bit of inclines here and there. And then after that, it will be like net downhill. But again, there will be um, a few rollers uh, among that. So that's kind of generally what I know. And I'm really just going on like trusting Sarah because Sarah herself has run this uh, marathon multiple times. So all of our training has been pretty specific to preparing me for that, you know, including all the different hill repeats and climbs and speed work. And um, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm going off. (laughs) I actually have a call with her after we do our recording here. Um, So this is, yeah, that's kind of how we're going into things. So when is the race? Next Sunday, the 15th. Excellent, Eric. So this podcast will come out before then, which is which yes. is exciting. Yeah. So this this is one of the great, especially given these circumstances, a great reason to like to have a coach, right? So you can be like, I want to be aware of what's happening, but I don't want to like completely be so immersed that it's like in my own head and what you're talking about, like. And you know, there's so many versions of of type A runners. I'm not saying that you are one, but type A runners who the oh, metrics totally. can. That's me, baby. <laughs> um, where like the metrics, no matter what the metrics are can be like just first, you know, front front and center in our heads all the time. So this is a great way of like delegating that. Like, hey, like Sarah's like, she's on the Mount Washington race, which is basically like nine miles straight uphill of like the biggest mountain in New England. Um, So she knows how to prepare for mountain races. Lord knows. So this is a great way of just delegating, like not just like the responsibility of training, but just like the mental, the mental part of it. Like I'm not, I'm literally, I'm not going to focus on this because I'm not even going to look at it. But I also can trust you to like that you're going to handle it. Yeah, that you're looking at it (laughs) and guiding me in the direction I need to go. I mean, it's been like that even with paces, you know, Um, this training cycle, we've really just focused on effort. So everything that she's prescribed to me has been at um, what's it called? Oh, I don't remember the abbreviation, but basically like perceived effort. Right. So she'll she'll tell me, you know, run 400 meter repeats at like uh, effort seven to eight that kind of thing, instead of being like at whatever, you know, 730 pace, that kind of thing. So, you know, friends have asked me what my goal marathon pace is. And I'm just honestly like, I don't know. A five and a half. Like, what does that mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like Sarah knows what my goals are. And 
I trust that we're going to work work towards them, you know, one step at a time. So, Well, that's one of the nice things about like a rolling hill course is that you can't be focused on paces. True, you're true. Like, well, what's mm-hmm. the, you know, there's so many variables. Like, am I going uphill? Am I going downhill? Like, you can really just throw paces out the window and not like be too worried about it because you're like, I'm not going to stick to a pace. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be on flat ground. What's the point? Yeah. So that's where I am. That's exciting. So are you are you staying there the night before or is this like a drivable morning of situation? Well, it takes four hours to get there. So uh, we're definitely we're going to um, my whole family's going to go. We're going to go up on Saturday, you know, check in. Really, the only places that we could stay um, uh, are at the resort, the ski resort itself. They have like apartments and condos. Um, so that's where we booked a room for for the evening. And yeah, I'm excited. Like the kids haven't come with us um, to a marathon for a while, like since 2000. Yeah, but I think 2018, spring of 2018, we went to New Jersey for the New Jersey marathon. And um, and that was the last one where they were like present. Um, so, well, I mean, yeah. So, it can, you know, like bringing your family <laughs> to a race like that's kind of like out of town, out of state. It can go either way, right? (laughs) Positive and negative. But I feel like your kids have aged up to a point where you don't have to worry about like wildly, not uncontrolled, but wildly like, you know, infant type situations where you're like, I did not expect this to happen, nor can I stop anything. It's just like this (laughs) kid's just going to do what this kid's going to do. Yeah. 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 They're older now. Everyone's kind of like we can all go to bed at the same time. There's like not some weird staggered bedtime schedule or anything like that. And we're all eating solid food. <laughs> like we're all eating the same foods. So hopefully, you know, it'll go a little more smoothly. And the and the course itself is um, point to point where only half of the roads uh, are closed off. So then um, I think it makes it easier for spectators to kind of like drive to a certain point, cheer, and then like drive further down the course and then cheer again. So I should be able to see them multiple times, which, oh, nice. again, hopefully – will be a positive thing (laughs) and not one of those where like I'm like struggling and dying and like cannot muster any energy to even like smile because there have been moments like that before. Okay, so our marathons are not the only ones happening recently. Lord knows Boston Marathon happened, uh, is it now two weeks ago, a week and a half ago? Yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, so we're recording on on May 4th. May the 4th be with you. I know your your husband is on this. I know (laughs) your husband is on this. He has literally built Death Stars in your basement. Uh, (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, And I think think Boston was April 18th. So, yeah, two weeks Mm -hmm. ago. Um, So, again, it just – it happened. We – people who follow it know, like, what the results were, and and those are all great. Um, We don't need to rehash any of that. I just want to say, like, oftentimes with these big races, especially for us, these big local races, you know, you live in the Boston area and I'm not that far away from you. You know, there can be lasting moments. It doesn't have to be, but oftentimes there are, right? And I think for a lot of people, like the Deslinden Marathon, Boston Marathon winning, that was huge. The men's race that year was also enormous, right? It was just, it was, you know, one of the things that stays with you for so long. I was wondering if you had any, not just in the moment, interesting things, but like any lasting you know, recollections or observations or moments that will stick stick with you past like the normal marathon season? Gosh, I think, you know, when you <laughs> brought up this question um, when we were emailing, I 
I couldn't pinpoint just like one lasting moment. And I think it's still the same right now where I'm like, ah, they were just, I feel like I'm still processing everything that happened that weekend. Like it just, Boston Marathon just like came on fast <laughs> and furious. And like, there was just so much, like in, in a very, very good way. And I think like Mario Fraioli has like mentioned this multiple times too in his um, different recaps, but it really did feel like there was just something very different in the energy and in just the enthusiasm of everybody who was here um, that weekend. And like, you know, I hosted um, two friends, you know, Kristen Dornboss of Paper Trails Greeting Company, as well as Allison Staples. And so like there was that added factor of like, yeah, just friends, like we were just together <laughs> here in my home. And then also being able to participate in these different events together. And the fact that there were just so many, um, I think like first time people in town as well, like Verna, um, Verna Volker of Native Women Running. And um, not only did she bring a team of women uh, to kind of like represent, right, Native women running, but also she herself was um, designated as an honorary, um, uh, I don't know, a participant runner, right, by the BAA. And um, she was able to speak at one of their panel events. And so was Jocelyn Rivas, who was also on your show before. And um, and just like hearing um, the the reasons that brought people here to Boston, um, their journeys, their purposes, their missions, their visions for building a greater like running community, you know, and future like that, those. Okay. Yeah. So I think those are the things then <laughs> that really stuck to me that like, there is something more to the Boston marathon for many people than just simply a like personal accomplishment. Not that, and I'm like not trying to downplay that at all because individually, like, and that's like something that I'm working towards too, right? The like personal accomplishment <laughs> of like finally qualifying and being able to run the Boston Marathon. Um, but I guess like that was just something that like really struck me to this like altruism or like community mindedness that um, many, many, many people um, especially people in the like communities of color, right? Um, that was what brought so many people here this past year. And I'm really thankful to have been a part of that, like gotten to like, you know, get a glimpse of that. Yeah, that's a great one. That was absolutely, and that was, I was thinking about that as well, of like trying to like, that was in like, in the mix of like, wait, which, which, which are going to be the things and, you know, viewing it from afar. I didn't go to any of the events, but that was definitely stuff that I was, you know, following along with, you know, through other people and their Instagram stories and, you know, their posts and not just the people who were a part of it, like the, like the folks that you mentioned. And certainly there were more than, than just that. It was, it seemed like a, like a wellspring of activity was happening, but, and, but also the participants and like getting their reflections on what was happening. And, and it seemed like, again, and I've, I mentioned on, on several of these podcasts and some that haven't even been released yet, but just, it seemed from afar that the energy of this weekend was unlike other years of which you know the other years were also extremely energetic and, and there is a uh, a tangible feeling of like there is something in the air here uh going on um with that said i think mine was i think the, the thing that's gonna i'll remember from this year is 
And this is purely just like my awareness of this. This is not necessarily a reflection of like that this was new in any sense. It's just like my own personal reflection of it was, I'll remember this of the year of like, uh, I'll remember this as the year that I was really dialed into the guided runner program mm, at yeah. Boston, mm-hmm. right? And I think part of that is the guided, the runners themselves and their personal stories, but also their guides who were who were some of the biggest name people in running that were part of this situation. I think that you combine those two things and just the, the chemistry there and the, and the amplification effect that happens within it. And it was really like something special. So you had like incredible runners like Hazlitt, who was knew who her, you know, she was part of the, the Boston bombing. And then you have people like Kara Woody, who you know I've had who I had on the show like last week, who you know qualified for Boston and then wasn't able to run because she missed the buffer by like 32 seconds. But then you know she has multiple sclerosis and gets in through you know a different program. So it's not like you know it's 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 a really it's a through the guide program, and it's really it really is interesting to see how it all comes together. And then you have other folks like. Tina Muir is running, you know, with it. Shalane Flanagan is running in it. Alexi Pappas is running in it. Like it's the the whole confluence of the of the events here and the people within it really was special, and it was really exciting to see um, the effect it had on both parties on on the run the, the guided runners and the guides themselves, who obviously, or at least it seems, to what this was a powerful experience for them. Uh, even though obviously this marathon experience may have been different than their other marathon experiences in terms of like, you know, trying to race their best or, uh, or what have you. And, and that experience wasn't just about race day. Like they were part of panels and, and spending a lot of time, um, ingrained in that, in that world. And it was, uh, it was really exciting to see and, and to witness from afar. Yeah, totally. I mean, there really is something powerful when people show up, uh, for reasons other than themselves and like, for like to give um, and to lift up others or to support others. And yeah, that's so true. I didn't even, I hadn't even thought about that. Like how, how much more um, spotlight was given um, and exposure, right. was given to the, the whole, um, that what is the category called? Is it like para, is it the para it, division or just is like it the para guided? Division? I, I feel like it's something different, right? Like there, that's like a separate. Yeah. It, I think, it's, I think it's, Again, I, I kept confusing them in my head, and maybe yeah, I should have done better research before <laughs> hopped on the podcast. But you know, we're talking it out. Like, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm saying the wrong name, obviously I'm showing enough respect for like you know where my heart is on this topic. Um, that you can give me some grace on this one. Um, but yeah, I thought it was awesome, and I think that everybody involved, from the folks to the BAA to you know and and, and uh, organizations covering the race did a really good job of when they were highlighting some of these celebrity runners as guys that it didn't overshadow the program it didn't overshadow the people that they were running with uh, that were the real story there I thought they did a good job of like highlighting the fact that they were there because that's important right you you do want to bring uh, awareness to this and that's part of the reason why having those people there can be a valuable thing. But not doing it in a way that it lends this huge, put this huge shadow over the program itself or the people they're going to be running with. So I think on balance, I think they did a, and it can be tricky because all these organizations aren't working together on this topic, right? Like Runner's World isn't working with the BAA to like manage the PR necessarily. But like, I think ultimately it all kind of came together where I think everybody involved was 
was highlighted, and I thought that that was a positive thing. It didn't feel like people were necessarily like left out of the mix, or at least to my. And if I'm wrong, please correct me. But it didn't seem like that was the case. Yeah, it makes me want to like learn more and look into people's stories more. Right, and then like Phil Shin, who's not part of the Guide oh, to Runner yeah. program, but it was great seeing oh, him like run him. with Mark Murphy, right? Mm-hmm, like they run mm-hmm. together, but they were both, you know, they were. Um, they were both there doing their thing. And, you know, Phil's been on the podcast, been on Mario. It's been like a two-hour episode with Mario. I actually found out from from either from Phil or from Mario, I can't remember, that they actually had a three-hour recording. Oh, my god! <laughs> the podcast wow. was like two hours and ten minutes. There was like yeah. a three-hour recording. But I guess like they had to like t- – you know, they, they – could. They had to cut parts of it out and like part of it were like, you know, um, it's a heavy, it's just some heavy topics. Mm -hmm. So like sometimes like you're not quite, um, as people who listen to this show, not quite as eloquent as you want to be, which is like (laughs) my state of being. But, you know, you want to make sure you're, you're, you're doing the right thing. So I guess it was a three hour conversation that they had, which is like, I kind of want the director's cut version. I kind of want, yeah, I want the three hour version because then that'll help me on my long runs. (laughs) Like I'll just queue that up for my marathon. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, so I think that was that was my thing. Um, yeah, again, not to, again. This is like, and we're going to hop into like the diversity run spotlight in a second. This is not to say that there weren't awesome things happening. You had to, but yeah. it was kind of like one of those like, if you had to pick one, what was the 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 out the 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 thing that stood out? It's kind of like when you think about like the movies, like who's going to win the Oscar this year? It's like that's <laughs> all right, but like it's more like, hey, five years from now, which in the, which one of these movies you're going to be like, yeah, that movie, that was an awesome movie. You're like, I've watched it again since then, or is it like, oh, that was a movie? I totally forgot. I forgot <laughs> that was even a movie to begin with. Yeah, no, there there are so many great. Uh, there have been so many great takeaways from this Boston Marathon weekend. There's just too much. There's just too much to pick from, really. There you go. Speaking of too much to pick from, Carolyn Sue, we got we got to hop into the diverse we run shout out. Oh, <laughs> I love that segue there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I mean, it's always really hard. Like I love all the, I just honestly like I love all of the stories and all of the athletes who are willing to share their running journeys. You know, um, on diverse we run, and I guess the one um, that like popped in my mind first when thinking about like, you know, (laughs) people who have been featured in the last month um, was uh, Sergino Renee's story. And I met him actually through Black Men Run at the Boston chapter here um, recently when there was, we did this, uh, we did a a campaign for Outside Magazine and Under Armour. And, um, and he was, he was a mutual friend or like we were introduced through a mutual friend and just something already that kind of stuck out. Like when we were doing the group runs for the video shoot, um, there was just something very like natural about like how he could, he just sensed kind of like everyone's paces and um, made sure that like nobody ever felt left behind or like that they weren't, I guess, like keeping up with the group in any way. And he did so in just such a like very, uh, I don't know, sincere and like subtle way already that there wasn't like he wasn't like, oh, hey, do you want me to stay, you know, like hang back here with you, that kind of thing. But like he just has already this very like, I don't know, 
warm and like grounding presence. And so anyway, long story short, I had asked if he wanted to share his running story and experience on Diverse We Run. He said, okay. And um, and if you go and you read his feature, like I just never would have gathered um, all of this. Like I would not have known these things about him had he not chosen to like open up and share. And like he is this big, you know, history buff and um, had – come to to Boston to like uh, interview with a very prestigious um, university here. Um, but then unfortunately, like basically through the interview process, even though he was um, very, you know, articulate and <laughs> well-spoken and presented um, things very well, and he was more than qualified, basically one of the um, interviewers at the end um, pulled him aside and just told him that like, sorry, Honestly, like I would hire you if I had the power to do that, but like the other people, you know, in in power who had the power and authority to make these hiring decisions, they just are not used to working with black people <laughs> essentially and like that's that like they're just very set in their their ways um and in the elitist society, you know, that they come from and um and that experience like was the first time he had ever really just like faced, had to face, you know, um, the reality that no matter how educated, how qualified um, or excellent, you know, you can be um, as a person of color, like there's, there are going to be things that you just, I guess, will be excluded from just simply based on like, the color of your skin. And, um, but through that, you know, um, he discovered running and then, um, <laughs> had a lot of time to process and like through the journey of growing as a runner also recognized like that he could take his power back by choosing how to respond, right. <laughs> to situations like that. And, um, and anyway, yeah, like, if you get a chance, go and read his story on Diversity Run. He's an amazing person, an amazing runner, and um, he continues to do a lot of great things, both locally here as well as like um, nationally through the Black Men Run organization. So definitely check him out, Sergino Rene. Yeah, for sure. And like it was heartbreaking to hear like you know, so he this was the the interview that you mentioned was like the second part of the process. Like yeah. the first part, like. He crushed it. Like you mentioned yeah. the person that he talked to who was like, I'm so sorry this is happening. Like that was the person who also interviewed him first who was like totally vibing with him. Like this is great. Like, th th you know, I can't wait to bring you like forward in the process. And like obviously like, you know, only one person can get hired for a job. So like there's gonna always going to be people who are upset. But like to hear like someone say that to you and like, oh, my God, I can't even. Yeah. I can't even imagine. It's 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 it's, it's heartbreaking to hear. And, um, you know, I mean. Obviously, it's just, it's just, it's awful. Um, but interesting to put it in the context of, of the running side of like, all right, like, because this was, this wasn't like a, you know, how someone was wronged in the hiring process profile. Like this is on a, on a running, on a running site. Right. So it was like, all right, experiencing that um, and the awfulness surrounding it. And then like having the running part of your life, like, you know, hopefully, you know, help you with that process, you know, some way. Um and, uh, you know, obviously it's not going to be a cure-all, Lord knows, but um, at least, you know, that that it can provide 
a little bit of relief or maybe take a, a tiny bit of the edge off um, for someone who grew up at like loving track and like who's even there. He talks about all his track performances and being a part of the track team helped him get through bullying as a kid and, and seeing how like his relationship with running um, has always been more than just about the running performance and how it has been a bomb uh, on some occasions uh, for some of the, the other ills uh, of his life or uh, the society has brought upon him. Which, um, I guess, you know, at least, you know, kudos for running. But, you know, so you don't want to, you want to read about stuff like that. But that, that's kind of the point. You know, it's like it's easy to, to hide. For, it's easy to hide those stories because they aren't like uh, that's not an uplifting story. Right. Uh, to, to some degree. But that's why it's important to hear. Um, so kudos to you for sharing it. Yeah. I mean, it bears impact, right, on um, how a person just experiences life. And then that. As a result, you know, it shapes how a person will engage with the sport and the community. And so, you know, for Sergino, like he's been able to channel like this, the the racial reckoning, you know, that he had to deal with. Um, he's been able to channel that into like really investing in his in the Black Men Run, you know, community and in the mission of Black Men Run, which is to help um, not just like build representation and awareness, you know, uh, amongst the Black community, specifically for Black men, um, that first of all, running is a sport that can be accessible, you know, um, to to them, but also that like because of the health disparities that um, Black men face, um, they can do something to like again, like take their power back into their own hands, like through running and engaging in community that is found in the sport as well. So yeah, like, I feel like it's kind of like a metaphor, or like a symbol or a reflection, you know, of how so many of us do um, experience setbacks or hard challenges in life that like, while those things are hard and painful in and of themselves, we can um, choose to like still learn and like channel channel those things then into like how we move forward, right? And how we can still like better ourselves or better our community and the people around us. Well said. So we're going to get into Family Jam in a second. Before we do, we're going to give a shout out to Tracksmith, who's sponsoring not only this, but every episode of this for a year. Thank you, Tracksmith, for, for doing this. Um, I want to say shout out to Tracksmith because also I got the brand new Session T oh, yeah. for the marathon. I got the, the kind of like the minty green, actually the exact oh, same color you're wearing <laughs> right now. You're wearing the exact same color I got. So I had a choice between that one or like the off-white for the marathon. Um, I went with the session, shirt, session, session shorts as well, but I went with the mint green. I actually matched my Puma shoes, which I was a big fan of. Um, and that shirt was super comfortable, right? There's some some shirts you can get that are really, really breathable. And there are some that are a little bit thicker, um, like the Merino wool type shirts. And I have both of them and they both serve a purpose. I feel like the session shirt was kind of like right in between. So for like that 42 degree weather, it was, you know, breathable enough for the end of the race, pretend, I never, which I never saw. But if I was going to get there, you know, the 55, 58 degree with sun, Right. We also you're perspiring, but not so light. We're like the 42 degrees in the morning where you kind of be shivering at the starting line. So it kind of hit that middle ground for me. I've always had the session shorts. This is my first time getting the session shirt and I'm definitely a huge fan. 
Okay. Okay. See, I love the session shorts and I'm kind of like debating between which one I'm going to wear for race day, but I love, well, so I'm wearing right now one of the hairier tops. Like I'm just like a hairier loyalist. I love it. Like the long sleeve, the short sleeve, the tanks, (laughs) Um, because for the hairier tops, it is merino wool, but it's super lightweight, super insulating. Like I... I'm not someone who's just going to be wearing like one of the tech, you know, technical exercise shirts, you know, throughout the day. But with the Harriers, I love that even with like the tank tops over the summer that I can still wear it. It keeps me cool. And I just I love that, like the cottony, you know, (laughs) feel against my skin. So anyway, so I'm a loyalist to Harrier tops like I will hands down like that will be my go to recommendation for anybody new to Tracksmith or just long time. (laughs) lovers of Tracksmith. And if you're new to Tracksmith, or even if you are loyalists, go use code for, no, love of the run. There it is. Nailed it. Finally got it. We had a couple takes of this, people who don't know, a little behind the scenes. Didn't quite get it the first couple times, but there I got it. Code love of the run. Okay. You're going to save no shipping cost and 5% of the purchase will go to a, um, a charity that we're bringing you sponsoring for the whole year. Carolyn, Give us a heads up on what this charity is, because I know it's something you've been tied into for a while now and have been talked about it um, for, uh, for for months now. Yeah. So 5% of your purchase will go towards the Asian Mental Health Collective. And uh, yeah, that is that is an organization that is dear to my heart. I mean, it supports um, accessibility uh, for Asian Americans to get access to mental health care in whatever degree that they might need, because... Um, I didn't know this until recently, but Asian Americans are um, the racial group in America who has um, the leading cause of death is actually suicide, um, which is a totally preventable, I think, a preventable, um, I don't know, cause. Um, But it's tied into the fact that Asian Americans are the least likely um, to get treatment for mental health issues. And so that is why. Asians, Asian Mental Health Collective is, I think, um, just a very, very important organization and they're doing really great work. So thank you all in advance. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So you can use that code, love of the run. Also, there is a link in the show notes. So let's get into Family Jam. First of all, you're like, why are we calling it Family Jam? That's a great <laughs> question. Astute listener. Good on you for asking that question. Let me enlighten you on why I started with that and why we will probably also change the name of this segment later on. I was trying to think of something that we were talking about, our family stuff. You and I have similar family challenges um, we've experienced in the past, also family highs as well um, that we've talked about offline many times. So I was saying family jam because jam can have two different meanings, maybe even more than two. I was thinking positive side of like, hey, that's my jam, right? You have a song that comes on, <laughs> on the radio, you're into it, right? Family jam is a good thing. We're jamming. However, the family jam where you're like, I'm stuck in a corner, I'm feeling way down, I'm feeling stuck a little bit here. That's the family jam of like, uh-oh, this isn't the best situation. So um, needless to say, it doesn't work perfectly. <laughs> But it's a start. Maybe uh, we'll... Honestly, I love it. <laughs> okay. I, mean, I think I love it. Like, I love it knowing that this is your thought process behind it. I just find it very endearing. So I'm totally cool with it. But we're, I mean, like, we could totally get listener, you know, ideas as well. Yeah. Please, please give us some ideas. Because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sold on it. I think Family Jam, I, my mind immediately goes to like 
farming and canning. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with those things. It just doesn't fit. Like I don't live on a farm and I don't do those things. So it doesn't feel like it ties in a hundred percent to the vibe here, but if it works, it works. However, I'm willing to crowdsource this. If you have a better idea, please, please share it. Okay. You can go visit, visit Carolyn on Instagram, visit me on Instagram. Our links are in the show notes. Uh, you can go there. Um, do you want to kick it off? Do you want me to kick it off? Uh, sure. I can kick it off. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, well, something that has just been really positive, I think, for me to witness uh, with my family has been these new friendships that my kids have been like developing. Um, we recently, I say recently, I guess in the fall, we switched churches that we have been a part of. And, um, and on top of that, I think with the school year also, um, you know, now it's like spring. So kids have had more time to like, get to know each other more, you know, in classrooms. Uh, but, you know, we just, we've been having a lot more play dates, get togethers uh, with friends from, new friends, I should say, from church as well as at school. And I, it's just, it's just been such a welcome change, um, especially since 2020. You know, uh, for my family, we did full remote learning. Um for the whole year of like that school year of 2020 through 2021. And I mean, and, you know, I don't regret doing that because I think with the information that we knew at the time, like that was the best decision for our family. But at the same time, like, I think it really did come at the cost for our kids and their um, social well-being and social lives. And so, yeah, like this past weekend. And also it helps that it's spring, right? So it's not like frigid, yeah, cold winter yeah. where like nobody <laughs> can do there, anything no. outside. Yeah, like now I'm just like, okay, you guys go outside, you stay outside, you can't come back in for until your timer <laughs> yes, rings I for know, an hour. Right? But like, these doors locked from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, like over the weekend, the kids were able to, we basically had like consecutive play dates <laughs> starting Friday through Sunday. And I mean, and just seeing um, the joy, you know, in Chloe and Joshua's faces, you know, as we were like washing up for bedtime and everything and hearing them reminisce and just being like, today was a good day, you know? And like, I just, as a parent, as a mom, I don't know, I'm like, yes, you know, like, thank you. Like, I'm just so grateful for that. So that's my that's my family jam. <laughs> I like that. So that's a positive jam. That's a sweet jam. Yes. That's strawberry jam. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. So I, I guess mine's kind of in the middle. It's kind of like two, kind of like TBD. It's kind of like this. It's just like a, a new stage we're entering here. Um, so my daughter brought home this thing. So my daughter's uh, in fourth grade. So she brings home a letter uh, from, from school. She's like, hey, she like kind of, she like half read it. And she was like, I think it's about like strength training for girls. I'm like, oh no. Okay. Let's take a peek. It, it 100% wasn't. You can tell like she like read, she read like, I think it's like, you know, some of those, you see like a, a note, like, um, or like a, a typed letter that like gets declassified from the government and like three quarters of the words are blacked out. And you see like a word here and there. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's how she read this document because it was like not at all what it said. But um, it was actually, like they're going to be splitting like one day in health class. We're splitting the boys in one class, the girls in the other class. And like the female health teacher is going to talk to the girls about their changing bodies changed, yeah. and like um, yeah. stuff like that. And like mm -hmm. my daughter, like, you know, 
doesn't quite grasp what this means. Um, I think she's not completely like naive about it, you know, um, but she doesn't quite grasp like what this is, but she like, she, she tries to like make jokes about it. And it's like these like funny little jokes. Um, and, and like, I wonder where she learned that from. <laughs> right. And then like my son thinks the whole thing circle is way over his head. So he's like, he just turned seven, but he just thinks that she's like, she's like making jokes. And it's like, so he thinks that's hysterical just on his face. So he's dying laughing and we're like, you know, you can't be doing this during the class. <laughs> you have to try oh, to st- no. like this is going to be hard enough as it is for like the kids to like keep a straight face. Like you can't be cracking jokes during this class. Um, but it's one of those like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Like what is that? <laughs> like like you're not naive to like what's happening. Like obviously, but at the same time, like to have it be like this huge like billboard sign of like this conversation's happening at school, <laughs> which is fine. I'm not against it, but it's just like. When time slaps you in the face occasionally of like, yeah, this is yeah. how much time has passed in your life. Whack. Like that's, yeah. that's kind of like the, what the moment was like. I'm just sitting there like <laughs> at dinner, like what's happening right now? Right. Like, what like, is I happening? thought you were just a baby. How are, are we, can, we talking about this? Can this, can this be the, the strength training for girls letter instead? Right. Can we just make it that? <laughs> that's so funny. I wonder how she even <laughs> gathered strength training. I have it. no idea. I think it was like, she probably, this was probably like she brought, cause like, the health teacher is the gym teacher. Like they have two of them, right? So like there's one. So like her her teacher, I think, passed this to Callie. Maybe it was on the in the heels of like doing something at gym. Or like they need to play basketball. And like I don't I honestly have no idea. Because it was funny her introduction into this. She was like, I don't even understand this. Like this was very like positive <laughs> affirmation, like I'm strong, don't put me in a box type conversation. Because that's how it started. Like it's not how it ended, because it was like obviously not the right topic. But she started the whole conversation, like, hey. I understand. Like, I don't need to get stronger. Like the boys, this was basketball. I was making all my shots. Oh, like I don't understand nice. what she's talking about. What they're talking about. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> and like, love that energy. So, so, so <laughs> like, yeah, that. get that letter. Let's take a look at that letter. <laughs> Read it. Like, oh, this is it's a completely different topic. Like, <laughs> let's put a pin in that topic. I'm happy right. to address it at a different time. But this is not what we're talking about right now. Evidently. <laughs> Well, have have you talked with her or either of your kids just generally about like, you know, changes or like differences between male, female bodies or anything like that? Um, not a lot. I mean, we're not going to I'm not going to dive into like all of it here on the yeah, podcast. Yeah. But uh, I think I think my wife, I think my daughter has been inquisitive with my wife. OK. Okay, about yeah. certain things. I mean, I shouldn't yeah. say I think. Open I conversations. Right, right, right. It hasn't been like it's been much, been much more informal. Yeah. Yeah. Type that's stuff. How it usually um, happen. Like that. And like, again, you have to like, again, like there's, like, there are obvious differences. And like when your kids are super small and they're bathing yeah. together, they're yeah. like, hey. we're not the same. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. You know, like, so like that's when they're like, you know, two and five or two and four or whatever. So like those sorts of things happen, but it comes from a very different place. Yeah. Than like this conversation, even though yeah. it is on the same topic. So, um, yeah, I don't, with my son who's having like, no. Uh huh. With my daughter, obviously, like we started to go down that road, and yeah. and obviously it's different for a girl than a boy because like their body changes in a different way. Yeah, yeah, right. So like we're talking about like, you know, I want to be too, like their yeah. top half is going to be different. Like <laughs> yeah. my son, no matter you know, like son's <laughs> top half will be the same right. the whole time. So uh, this is you have that experience. So I think it's just inherently different, obviously, but also just from a physical perspective of terms of like being able to tell from the outside, like all right, this person is now maturing in a way that they didn't it didn't look like that before. Um, whereas with, with my son, it will be much more internal, like what the hormones are doing to his body and things like that. Um, 
then kind of have it on, on internal and external for, for girls that are obviously in a different way. Not that I'm, I'm, I'm talking way too much about this, but yes. <laughs> no, I asked. I'm just curious. Like, I think it's great though. Like just to even have this like open communication with your kids. And that's just, that's how it needs to be. I don't know if it'll ever necessarily feel super comfortable or like that any parents like I am fully prepared for my child <laughs> to enter into this, like all these different developmental changes. But what matters is, you know, that our kids feel comfortable yeah, talking with us and so that we can try to help them feel as comfortable as possible through these awkward years. Right. Maybe you can give me some advice <laughs> off the, off the pot since you've already gone, probably gone through oh, a lot of this man. with your, with your oldest, who's a couple of years older <laughs> than my oldest, but you know, you have an older daughter and a younger son, just like we do. So, yeah. so much fun. <laughs> All right. For the love of the run. First episode yeah. done. So Woo. we're going to be coming at you once a month. Actually, I should say it's scheduled. So it's me the second week of every month. I think it's the second Monday, whatever. It's the Monday of the second week of every month, roughly. Yeah. If it's changes, we'll let you know. But that's the plan. Thank you, Tracksmith, hooking us up a whole year's worth of sponsorship from them. Kudos to them. Go hit the link in the show notes as well as the code for the love of the run. No shipping costs. Also 5% to a very important cause that Carolyn has already mentioned, the Asian Mental Health Collective. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of song brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.